We're back on the Exit 52 podcast. It is Sunday night, October 8th, 2023. My name is Jake Luke, and I'm joined by Banks. I'm joined by Spenny. Boys, how we doing tonight? How dare you ask that question? How we how doing? You? Yeah. Give me all you got. Are you are you right now? Like what what is this? Jake, Jake, you have the most positive energy. You're giddy right now. It's terrifying. No, I feel like I'm uh shout out we we talked about I was watching The Shining uh a couple nights ago. I feel like Jack Nicholson at the end of the movie. I'm just driven insane right now and I'm just moaning in my you know, I'm sitting here in my bedroom. I don't I don't even care to go into the studio right now. This is just uh I am fucking deflated, let me tell you. It, it, and I, I was talking uh, with Eric about this on Saturday night. Like, I kind of, and this is easy to say now, I had it in my head that, like, man, what a disappointment this would be if, like, all of this goes wrong. And let me tell you, boys, it all went wrong. How are we doing? Yeah, I, I've i had this looming feeling as well regarding the Orioles' streak um, with the sweep and the series, that whole thing. Like, streaks like these always end horribly. And for them to to potentially get swept and have it end in such horrific fashion, the way that they played, um, I never wanted to speak it into existence. And now we're here at the precipice of just, I mean, you can hear it in my voice. I'm, I'm done. I'm, stick a fork in me, man. I'm, I'm toast. Stick a fork right. in me, Jerry. I'm cooked. I'm cooked. I'm cooked. Um, I don't even know where to start. Like, where... Both sides, Ravens, Orioles, like, I don't there's even very, know. There's very started. fine people on both of them. There's there's a lot of overlap between the two where there's just, like, horrific lack of execution at its simplest level. Like, you can't – you just can't drop 10 passes. You just can't walk 11 batters. You just can't. And then from, like, a decision-making standpoint, like, John Harbaugh, like, this is to date, I think, been his worst coaching job in terms of in-game, like, decisions and um, failing to do basic things. Um, instructing Zay Flowers, you know, two weeks ago to to take that fair catch. Like, what? I mean, what is that? Um, ball security. Like, how have we not nailed that into our guys' heads? Like, why are we not carrying footballs around the facility? Um, like, a bunch of college kids carrying their fucking – football to class every day like 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 all right here's an example where i think it would have been really nice for somebody to have said something and then the justice hill fumble might not happen let's uh by the way let's keep them separate let's start with ravens then we'll go to orioles after that okay mark andrews catches a pass for a first down earlier in that drive and he holds the football out like odell beckham's known to do from time to time and it scared the piss out of me and nothing happened and he didn't fumble he tucked it back in when when he was tackled but i feel like that's just such a spot where Munkin or harbaugh or somebody has got to be in the headset and telling lamar hey boys like that's careless like we got to be tucking the football away and he's got to go into the huddle he should take it upon himself to do it himself like to say it to everybody like hey let's not fuck around with the football and then a player two later Justice Hill fumbles. It's just like, just little tiny basic shit. I, I'm this is this is like one of those blind rage things where we're just gonna like single out little instances and just be petty about it. And that's just the way it goes when shit just goes sideways the way that it did today. I'm just beside myself. Baltimore Ravens fall seventeen to ten to the Pittsburgh Steelers. One o'clock. We predicted wins on this show. I thought that the Ravens would be able to get out. It looks eerily similar to the Colts game from a couple of weeks ago. You have a chance to go two touchdowns in the first half. You have a successful screen running back, and then that running back gets hawked down from behind. Kenyon Drake in the Colts game, Justice Hill in this game, fumbles have been the unfortunate theme of the Ravens offense, like you touched on, Brian. And to me, it's really interesting because when you go back and watch – Gus Edwards and Justice Hill, when they're running the football, when they're hitting a hole in inside zone, they've got five points of contact. They're putting a second hand on the ball. They're letting their shoulder pads get out ahead of them. They're, they're playing behind their pads. But then there's these instances, like you mentioned, where it's a little loosey-goosey. At the same time, you know, could Justice Hill have had five contact on the football? Yeah, he should. You should at all times. You it, it's uh, dad in Friday Night Lights. Hold on to the damn ball. Hold on to the damn ball. 
But then Larry, I mean, at the same time, Larry Ogunjobi comes up from behind, punch, punch the same thing. The 300 pound freak goes and hawks it. So uh, it's unfortunate. Ball security does have to be better. Lauren Jackson has fumbled, has gotten really pretty much strip sacked. Uh, the Bengals game, one got called back, but has been stripped in every single game through five games. Ravens lead the NFL in fumbles. As things stand, they lead the NFL in fumbles lost. And in this game, the Ravens, again, have that opportunity, go down and score. You see uh, Zay Flowers dropped 25-yard pass early, trying to shift momentum so that he can go run after the catch. The old classic, see the ball in before you make the move upfield. Then we see Mark Andrews, a pass, then another pass in the end zone that, hey, you know, a little, a little tiny bit outside his frame. He's made that catch a thousand times. Rashad Bateman, a really egregious one, jumps up. Caroms off of his hands. The Ravens are not able to go up two touchdowns and take the driver's seat like they were able to do in Cleveland, like they uh, were able to do at one point against the Bengals, like they were able to do get up two scores against the Texans and, and feel, you know, through the second half of that game a little more confident. So um, today the thing that really stuck out to me, and I'll, I'll pass the, the mic, is that you have guys overall, we'll talk, I guess, offense, defense, whatever, but you have guys, Marlon Humphrey, Ronnie Stanley, and Odell Beckham, Three highly paid veteran players that you expect to hang your hat on. And they missed time. All three of them missed last game, missed a bunch of practice. Ronnie Stanley gets beat late by Alex Highsmith, strip sack, turns the ball over. Marlon Humphrey put in a really tough position, gets beat by George Pickens, touchdown, Steelers. And Odell Beckham, Lamar Jackson throws him a jump ball. Joey Porter Jr. shields him out, boxes him out, accepts the ball in the end zone. So you have three guys that you're relying on, but three guys that have missed time and did not get the job done at crucial moments in this game. It's quite difficult. And Brian, you mentioned, you know, the walks of the Orioles will get to the Orioles, but it's that same thing. You know, you, you're not going to win a lot of games when you drop six passes. You're not going to win a lot of games when you drop 10 passes. You're not going to win a lot of baseball games when you walk six batters. You're not going to win a lot of baseball games when you walk 11 batters. So, uh, definitely shooting themselves in the foot was a common theme. It was a common theme in that Colts game, and it's difficult to see. But I'll have some positivity on the other side. I'll pass the microphone to you guys for now. But just a lot of little things you, you all said, a lot of little things. Death by a thousand self-inflicted paper cuts there. Yeah, I said, like, in the preview, you might remember this, that I was literally on the verge of picking the Steelers because I just felt like, Oh, hey, it just feels like that kind of spot. You're on the road in the division. It feels like some stupid shit is going to happen. But because of the fact that I felt that, and I still feel this way, I very much still feel that the Ravens are the better team. They have better coaching, I think, when you look at it on balance. I think Monken is better than Canada. It's maybe a little bit of a toss-up with the uh, head coaches, and I think uh, McDonald is better than Austin. I think the roster is better in favor of the Ravens. I think that showed out to an extent. I, we got a comment here from uh, Deuce1042. Silver lining, Ravens receivers are getting open at least. The plays were there to be made. So I'm not super worried in that regard. Like, I think these guys will bounce back next week, and it is kind of just a Murphy's Law game in that regard. Regard, But, man, that's just fucking pitiful. Like, you can't have the drops that they were having. And if you want to, that's fine. But you you got to, like, limit it by, like, two or three more. If you make, like, one or two of those plays, you're probably walking out of there with a win. So it's just brutal. But that's kind of where I was with the uh, prediction right before I flipped to a Ravens win because of all the rational thoughts in your head of the rational reasons why they absolutely should have gone and won that game and why they very well were, you know, could have done so if not for one or two things happening, but weird shit just happens in football and weird shit happens in this rivalry. And all of a sudden you're at three and two, they're at three and two. I guess they pretty much are in the division lead right now because of the head to head tiebreaker. I'm not totally sure how that works, but yeah, they are. Yeah. So they're, they're, they're in the lead. Bengals get a win today. They're, they're back to two and three. They're pulling and pulling back and we'll see what happens with the Browns, but I don't know, man. It's just, uh, it speaks to everything we talked about after the Indy loss where you have a chance to step on throats. You have a chance to curb stomp and impose your will a little bit. And this team very well could still go like 11 and six, like I predicted. And they're off to a better start than I predicted they would get off to. I had them starting out at two and three, but they're three and two right now. And, you know, it would have been nice if they had just risen above that station for once. It would have been nice if they had moved out of this identity of, oh, well, we're going to have miscommunications and we're going to drop passes and all this kind of shit. Like the excuses are running out, man. The talent is here on this roster. They went out and spent big money. They spent on the credit card for the first time, really, 
to get a Beckham, to get some of these guys. They've got, you know, pretty solid veterans like a Clowney, like a Van Noy backfilling this roster. They had a pretty nice draft, it looks like. Flowers and Aguilar had good games, too. Like, that's the weird thing about it. Those guys are, like, in the 50s and 60s as far as receiving yards, like four and five catches. Like, they did okay, but, man, it's just like at a certain point, you got to shake the the same old Ravens kind of shit. You got to shake this Harbaugh hands on his, like, you know, hat, his, the brim of his hat or whatever happened there with the Linderbaum. It's just this kind of stuff is that's what that's what keeps you from that. That's what puts you at 11 wins as opposed to 12 or 13. That is what keeps you from having a home playoff game as opposed to going on the road. And that is you setting yourself up not to have postseason success, which has been kind of the snake bite of this franchise going back many, many years at this point. And if it doesn't change soon, then it might be time for a larger conversation. I think the most frustrating part is that we see the sauce like it's there. We see yeah. all these good things. You see more so than last year. I mean, for sure. gosh, and we just can't connect on certain things like uh, Lamar. Just absolute beauty of a ball there to Aguilar. I mean, just a tremendous throw there, dropped in the bucket. Um, Lamar played an awesome game for the most part. Made a couple big mistakes, and they were costly. Heck, I mean, he's got to throw a better ball downfield there. Make to, uh, mistakes. He really didn't even make mistakes. Like he, he, he needed to throw a better ball like, to Zay Flowers downfield, the one where he kind of turned back and, and stumbled. Yeah, over the, when he fell down, that was a bad throw. That was the one it that was a bad you look at. But yeah. overall, at the same time, like, when he balls. was throwing the ball over top, then they weren't able to go extend and make plays. He's like, I'm going to punt you a ball here. Here you're wide open. So, sure, that's that's all good and fine. But I just it, I think Lamar Jackson got frustrated on the sidelines. People are talking about he had every right to be frustrated. He was what was preventing them from falling apart at the seams for so long the game for so long and then wasn't perfect down the stretch. And again, you know, Alex Highsmith just whoops Ronnie Stanley. And to you guys point, the scheme is there. The plays are there to be made. And that's why the talk of like people saying that like effectively they stood on 15 fingers and toes there the entire day, aside from one play, really. And, you know, credit to the Steelers for making a play. I don't love the call. Everybody hates when Wink would do that cover zero stuff. They do it, and they get burned. So that was – watch. I was kind of fine with it there. I mean, he scored the touchdown, and, like, it, you know, if they – if let's say he just got down there, they probably would have just won the game right then and there with the field exactly. goal. Exactly. Yeah, I was okay with that. But, like, that's kind of where I'm, like – the people that completely just discount the human element of sports. And when, when, when you want to make it the meta conversation about momentum and stuff, I get that it gets a little like wonky and stuff, but like this idea that it didn't affect him, that those guys were dropping all those passes. Like he was so in rhythm. He was so confident. It's all the stuff that I've been talking about. We've been talking about really with how confident he's looked, how patient and calm that he's looked. That kind of did start to go away a little bit after he started to realize that these guys couldn't catch a freaking cold uh, Taylor, you're joining us here, and I want to get you in the mix. What, what are your kind of overall impressions of the game? How much of it did you get to watch? We're talking Ravens, then we're going to go to Orioles. Uh, sure, yeah. I watched probably, I mean, really play-to-play the first three quarters. Um, I didn't. Well, really that's watch. good. That's probably a good viewing experience. I didn't watch much of the fourth. Uh, had a good setup at Pickles to to kind of lock in on the first three quarters, and it was like, look, I'm in Orioles mode. I'm I'm getting in the stadium. I'm I'm feeling what that's about. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I was sort of reading stuff on Twitter as I sat at the Orioles to try to kind of take in the post game Raven stuff, and Mark Andrews had a quote that was like, I think it was just like, we need to wake up, man. And to me, that's the the situation here, like just put the Steelers away. Like they just sleepwalk through some of these games and don't make the plays necessary to put a team that they're clearly better than away. Um, And obviously the drops are going to be the big story. They were frustrating. You know, you're, you're sitting around everybody and everyone's reacting in the same way to them. And in a world where the Ravens have put so much, both draft capital and actual money capital into that position to have that happen is a, is kind of a disaster to be totally honest, to, to put the to try to get talented players on the field and for Lamar to throw them catchable balls and for them to not make the plays like that's why you brought them in and they don't do it. Um, I agree with Mark Andrews. They, they need to wake up, like, wake up and do the things you're supposed to do. Like just win win that game. That Steelers team stinks. Kenny Pickett stinks. He stinks. Like they're they're not going anywhere with him. The defense is very good um, and talented and and they'll stay in games because of that. But they don't have a franchise quarterback. He he's not that. He's a nice player. He's not a franchise quarterback. Um, they don't really have skill position players around him that are you know elite. You know they have scary. Some, 
Pickens. Yeah, they don't they don't have scary players. Like Pickens is a nice player. Some of the backs are nice players and will probably play on winning teams. But that's a team you have to go in and beat. Like we we talked this week about whether they could go undefeated in the division or or last week in the incident analysis. Could they go undefeated in the division? And it was pretty clear. They're the best team of those three teams. They're definitely the best team. And they gave away a game today. Like so clearly gave away a game. And and that's frustrating. And I I can't really blame any I, I normally you know, and and before you, you know, joined up with us, Spenny and Jake, me and Banks and RDT would do these podcasts. And I think me and Banks would always do the like, you know, don't get so upset. Like, it's going to be fine, blah, blah, blah. Like, if you're a fan, you have every right to be upset with that game today. I mean, that's that's just a, that's a game yeah. you just totally gave away. And I, I, I listened to you guys in the last five minutes or whatever. And I agree with you. The pieces are certainly there. Like, you watch the team and you're like, all right, it's a it's a good defense. It's a, it's a good defense. And you see Lamar today, and you're like, Lamar was really in control. For the most part, very in control, delivered the football in a pretty good way for most of the game, and they didn't make the plays necessary to win the game. And that, if, if you're a fan, I've you can do all of the radio calls or the tweets or all the or the Facebook comments or all the things you want to do as a frustrated fan today. I have no issues with those. They gave away the game. And, Jake, you said it like, I'm kind of tired of the, like, Harbaugh, hands on his head, like, oh, my God, like, how did we do that? Like, just get it done. Like, yeah. you're you're Have some composure. Up. Have some composure. Exude leadership and strength. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you're – you're, and I don't – I in, love and, – Not even in football, in life. In life. And it if sets him up – it sets him – it sets him up in a tough spot with where, like, after the game, like, he has to go to the press conference. He has to go to the podium – and he has to say, oh, well, it was just a miscommunication. He can't say Tyler Linderbaum fucked that up, which is what happened. And I love John for that, and I respect him for that. But people don't want to hear miscommunication. And that puts him in a really, like, bad rock and a hard yeah. place. So get yeah. your shit together and, like, make sure it doesn't happen because you're starting to sound like a broken record and people are getting mad. I don't – I'm, I'm going to disagree with that. Stand up for your players. It's, it's it's the locker room. It's the world. Don't and Lind, shout out to Linderbaum for taking accountability. And well, that's take, what I'm saying. Like, of course, that, he, then he it gives the, then it gives the player the ability to go fall on the sword for John if they so choose and take the no, pressure. No, I'm saying I'm saying he I'm saying he absolutely yeah I'm 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 saying he absolutely should do that. That's what he has to do in that situation. Do not put yourself in that situation again. Call a fucking timeout. Do we have to do to ensure that these mistakes stop? Because you're putting yourself in that bad spot and like you're getting people. I, I think what Dan Rees on Twitter brings up a good point is just like how, how did you can't predict that he's going to do that though? Why'd they line up? Like, I'm going to use a timeout to make sure Linderbaum does something that I have zero idea he would ever do. Why did they line like, up? I can't, I can't predict the unpredictable. I get it. And I don't want to go into the that. You should never have timeouts in your pockets going into half. Just, just, just send the kicker out there. Just send the kicker out. That's all I'm saying. Like, just do that. Like, let's not – let's but eliminate just, the guesswork. It's guess so work. stupid. Every team can line up in college football and try and draw guys off sides. And the – I, I get it. I get it. But just, yeah, but that's effectively it's, not it's taking the points. Like, just take the fucking points there. That's all I'm saying. At the end of the day, though, it's like the – it's like – at the end of the day, it falls on John. It is number one. On game day, it is John. At the end of the line, it is – if you didn't get it done, John, get it done. if there's a situational decision that could have been made and you didn't get one, it will fall on John at the end of the day. But it's like, how can you predict Linderbaum is going to do that? But it's also like, you've got to learn the lesson of like, I'm going to have to baby this team on these fourth downs. I'm going to have to call timeouts. I'm going to have to take it slow. They are discombobulated, unorganized. And on top, I, I really am the, the hands on the head thing. I'm, I am sick of it. Well, it's funny. I like he took think, a he took I don't a good think it's one. Exuding strength and leadership and instilling confidence, or a killer ability to finish and close games. When you look with your eyes are six thousand feet wide. Watch, and uh, yeah, like go back and uh, over and over again. Go back and watch Super Bowl forty nine. I think that was the Seahawks Patriots one when uh, Jermaine Curse makes that catch. Bill Belichick is frozen. Like he is frozen in that situation. And they send they send Butler out at the last second, and he has that interception. And, you know, that's like a weird comparison to make. I get that. Like you're not going to do that in pretty much any frantic situation. Like just kind of make some game saving play, but like not exuding emotion or whatever. But it's just kind of like one of those examples of things that I think back on. Of like, dude, that guy is fucking cold as ice, and that's why he's a six time Super Bowl champion. Like. And all respect to John, I love the guy, but you you guys are absolutely right. It's time to stop with the the like all the that we're doing. We're fucking like he's a mime at this point. He's like finding the box and he's doing this and like that. A human like, meme at the end of I, I, I and and I don't necessarily, 
I'm not even really talking about he can do all of the stuff he wants to do on the sidelines, body language wise. Like that's fine. And I think I don't mind what he did in the press conference. Like let your player take the accountability, defend them that, you know, that you need to, you know, hold that in the locker room, whatever you want to do. I I just like, we're getting to the point where um, they're just like, not, I, I almost want to like reevaluate my expectations about what the Ravens are year to year at this point. Like, they are so inconsistently inconsistent. Like they're just so unpredictable and what they do is just not what teams that end up winning things at the end of the year do like where you are so clearly better than this team and you're so clearly in control and you just don't finish. I mean, that's just not the sign of a great team. Like the Ravens are good. And maybe they can be great and maybe eventually they will figure it out this year. And I would love to come back and be like, wow, what I said on October 8th is incorrect about their inconsistency. But like they like, you know, through this many games, like they're inconsistent. They're inconsistent drive to drive. You know, they have really nice pieces defensively and offensively and on special teams, except for the coverage units, which absolutely stink. Um, And they don't get it. Like, this is a game where you have to get it done. Like, you're better than the Steelers. You're way better at quarterback. They have a okay, – you're up 10 nothing. To lose that game is a total – like, I I mean, to I, I hate to use the word debacle, but that's a debacle. Like It is, dude. I mean, it's absolutely – the game. They, like, what are you that doing? Game, they should have won that game five different times, and, like, they just absolutely shot themselves in the foot. And, yeah, it's just one of those things where, like – I had a train of thought that I was going to go to, but it's just absolutely. And it goes back to what you were saying about expectations. Like you don't want to lower your expectations necessarily, but like, that's where I was. I said, look, 11 and six, they're going to lose some games that you're not expecting them to lose or that they should not lose. And they will be like a three seed. And I had them winning the AFC North, but, and I did have them winning the Super Bowl to be fair, but it's just one of those things where like expectation wise, it's just tough because. And by the way, they still will win the AFC North. I think they will. This too. division, I'm, it's a, the, the, all these four of these teams might not all be all that good. I yeah, mean, I and hope the, the Ravens rise above all of them. I hope the Ravens end up being a very good team. It's very much in play. But you watch all four of those teams week to week right now, and they are just like okay. The like, point, all yeah. four of those teams are just okay right now. And my overarching point being that they have they have had the opportunity if they had just won this game or the indie game, and you're sitting there at four and one. You are in such a prime position in what I don't think is a great AFC to rise above in the AFC for one of these years where 100%. you really haven't you haven't been able to do that. And like the opportunity is staring you right in the face and you're just saying, you know, no, thanks. Somebody else take it. And that's that's just it, you can't have that. Brian, you've been quiet for a while. What do you got? Yeah, on? no, it's um, <clears throat> I think the most frustrating part is that it's it's so exactly the same as the Colts game. It's the same. It's hey, here are eight to 10 different things where if you just execute one, just one of those things, you probably sneak out of the way, sneak out of there with a win. And football, is it's a funny sport. And from time to time, you can have those kind of games where it's just like, oh man, it just, it just wasn't our day. But when it happens twice in three weeks, it becomes who you are. And, and this goes beyond this season. This has happened to Taylor's point, like, time and time again over the last handful of years where we just can't get out of our own way. And you just like, you, you can't, you can't continue to just blow it off and be like, well, sometimes that's just the way it goes. It's, and I've been a huge John Harbaugh apologist for a very long time. I'm probably the last guy to get on his case, but it has to get cleaned up. And if it continues this way, like, yeah, I, for the, probably for the first time, I, am truly considering like whether he's he should still be the guy it's trending that direction and um you know we can give him all the credit we want to as to like why we are we have the bar set so high for this team and that seems to be a trend from year to year like oh well this team could do it they could put it together and they never do they just constantly just shit down their leg it's just been such a consistent trend with with this team and it's just we we, we just can't keep doing this it all the pieces can't. are yeah like all the pieces are there and you have 
two head coaching candidates in waiting sitting on this roster. I mean, it's I don't think it's that crazy that if it's just the same old thing in the postseason this year, you have a conversation about those two guys, you have a conversation about maybe moving Harbaugh to another place within in the organization if he's amenable and maybe something a little bit less friendly than that if that's what it comes to. It's just it's tough. Spenny, what do you got? I, I think it's like a gross overreaction. Like at the end of the day, it's like, oh, 11 and six, three seed. We're like saying these things, but it's like they lose, it sucks, you're miserable. But when they win, it's great. They win more than they lose, sure. So I agree with the end of the year assessment of, hey, if you're 10 and seven and you lose in the wild, then it's, you know, maybe a Doug Peterson in Philadelphia type of situation where it's time to try to graduate on and, and go. And people are going to be having, we'll transition to the Orioles in a little bit, but I'm sure there's going to be. Uh, no shortage of those conversations for the other Baltimore sports team that had a tough day as well uh, with that same kind of stuff. Well, they get you there. Well, this or that or the other. Um, the one thing I will say, and then I will continue, still will, I know we are Harbaugh apologists and, and that's fine. I think he would coach somewhere else very quickly and could be successful. But when you always have, and it's like, what did we say in the, the preseason show? Okay, you want to get this shit out of the way, get all the cobwebs, the rust, make sure guys are healthy in November and December instead of September and October. Well, it's October. They're okay. They could have been 4-1. and one. That would have been outstanding. They could be 5-0. and oh. They beat themselves. They haven't looked overwhelmed with anything other than themselves. And you're hopeful that it's the 2019 season where – you figure shit out with some with a new coordinator and some new faces and have to, you know, ease some guys back. That year they had Owasu and Kenny Young, and they had to be like, all right, we have to go get Josh Pines and LJ Fort, things like that. So the hope is that you see it so clearly is in front of you that you are out-talented and out-scheming your opponents but aren't out-executing them. And that's all it settles to at the end of the day. You're nervous. In high leverage situations, you're rushed and panicked. That has to stop. That is where it falls on John. And like we said, you're going to have to baby. The other thing that I, I would be remiss not to mention, I'm fine with throwing a goal line fade to Odell Beckham. I don't think that was anything that Lamar Jackson did poorly at all. But why on God's green earth, just to be old man yelling about running the football for the 10 billionth time in the history of the world, why the fuck can they never just hate and Gus Edwards the ball on the goal line in these moments. Why can't you put Pat Ricard on the field, go run the clock out, and run into a wall three times against a defense that doesn't have Cam Hayward, that has really good pass rushers, and you're going to eat up the clock? Why is that so terrible to just run ISO or duo or whatever into the goal line? Why? Why, 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 why? And hey, you can even give, and, and perfect thank you to my esteemed associate, I'll put on my run the goddamn ball hat. Run the damn ball in those situations. They have TJ Watt. They have Alex Highsmith. You are down to Daniel Falele and Ronnie Stanley. Power the ball into the end zone. Simply put, how can you calm things without timeouts? Sometimes it's handing the football off. Hey, then guess what? Maybe they do a quarterback sneak and Sam Hubbard returns at 101 yards, whatever. Can't, can't control that. But I think that's an easy way to go take control in this football game. And I think it was a gross mistake. And I can, you can even put, if people want to blame Lamar so bad for some reason today, Lamar can check into runs too. Lamar can definitely check into runs, but that is a pivotal mistake. You go have an outstanding play. We haven't even really talked about their defense, which was so fucking good today. Arthur Mallett makes plays. Patrick Queen makes plays. Roquan Smith makes plays. Freaking Brandon Stevens makes plays. Ronald Darby's playing his tail off. Kyle Hamilton's playing his tail off. Brent Urban was a little bit of a monster today. Matt Abike is making – whole unit is making plays. You punt the ball. Jordan Stout has been unbelievable this year overall. Another couple of dimes today. Absolute dimes. You force a turnover on special teams and don't walk out with fucking points. It's crazy. The fourth down thing, the Linderbaum thing, sure, but like have points off of turnovers. Run the ball and kick a field goal. Settle it down there. Then maybe you can be hunting for, you know, maybe the defense breaks and the Steelers score a touchdown still and you're hunting a field goal instead of a touchdown late in that game and it's a little calmer. Run the damn ball at frantic, especially down on the goal line. Run it in to Gus Edwards. Why is Gus Edwards not have 20 carries in this game? 
Why? He's gashing them. He's not making mistakes. Bad things aren't happening when he touches the ball. He is the best short yardage back in the NFL, arguably in this era of football. He has the highest conversion rate is 90% of third and fourth and shorts. I will continue screaming it into the void. I will wear my stupid hat, but run the damn ball with Gus Edwards in short yardage situations. That will calm things down, and you might walk out of Pittsburgh with a W. There, there's my TED Talk. I Finn, F-I-N, Finn. Okay. I like it. I think uh, I think we pretty much said all we can say. We'll get into it more on the jumbo set, I think, as far as Ravens go. But, uh, you know, just as far as giving an emotional open up a vein, live wire type takes, I think we're all taked out. Are we ready to switch over to Baltimore Orioles? Mm, so exciting. Yeah. yeah, gentlemen, you guys yeah. were all uh, you guys were all at Pickles. You were at the ballpark, as far as I understand it. I uh, opted to sit this one out. You know, I figured, you know, I'll just wait for the ALCS or the World Series when I when I go to my game. When I drop that uh, drop that dime for uh, for those seats, uh, I don't know if that's really going to work out that way. Orioles lose eleven to eight today. They are down zero to two in the series to the Rangers, heading to Texas in do or die mode. If they do return to Camden Yards, it will be a do or die game, but. Fellas, it feels like the last game might have been played at that ballpark in 2023. Brian, we'll start with you. Um, it's just the same same conversation. I just like I'm so depressed about it. Um, I feel I feel like the lack of execution and the managerial are the are the two things here. The two things are really pick apart, which is exactly what we're doing with the Ravens. Um, you can't you can't walk 11 batters. You can't walk 11 batters. You can't walk 11 batters. You just can't. You can't do it. Like, it's so unacceptable. Um, and uh, it's, it's clearly a game that just got away from us there. But, I don't know, putting putting in Baker is clearly a questionable decision. Guy who hadn't pitched in the big since July, I think, or maybe pitched once. And he wasn't even pitching well in AAA. And we just throw him on the roster because John Means is the, the elbow soreness. It sucks. It's obviously a tough break. but. Um, it's baffling to to put him in there when you know that you're going to the pen and you gotta ride somebody a bunch of innings. It's got to just get out there, chew up those innings. That had a Flaherty written all over it. If he wasn't gonna turn out to be that postseason starter that you thought you traded for, but you're gonna put him on the roster and 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 trust him later in the game, why not trust him there? Why would you trade? Like, why would you trust Baker over him of all people? So that one's baffling. I hated the decision in, in game one to pull Bradish. I made my thoughts well known on that one. Um, he's your guy. He's your number one guy. He's your ace. You've got to ride with your guys. It's even just from like, from like a clubhouse perspective, like you just got to put trust in your top dogs to be dogs and to not let him get out of that fifth inning and consequently probably pitched the sixth as well it just started a chain reaction of events that were just so unnecessary and you know Webb gives up the solo home run and that turns out to be the difference do like maybe maybe things turn out differently if Bradish stays in maybe they don't but it just it sends the wrong message I think and um it just I don't know I'm beside myself on, on both ends so somebody somebody talk I just can't I can't even Thanks, Trey. I'm so uh, I'm so disappointed in the fact that I know Gunner had the home run today and the hit, and you know he scored a run and everything. But the trio of Gunner, Adley Rutschman, and Grayson Rodriguez, you got jack shit out of those guys for the most part uh, through these two games, and that is so fucking deflating because you rode on the backs of those guys to a certain extent, uh, if not completely materially and tangentially, or um tangibly than you know philosophically like you're riding on the backs of those guys into the future and you just you didn't get anything out of them today it was so deflating to see Grayson have the performance that he did today and he's our guy and we love him to death and uh he's gonna bounce back from this but that that was tough stuff to see uh him getting pulled after what you know two innings 60 one pitches of, one, one and two thirds I think was the yeah opinion. yeah one and two yeah exactly so Taylor you can, you can go ahead I just I just wanted to open with that oh no, yeah I no I was gonna go the same place I mean I think that you know, the frustrating thing today, um, and I was in and out of yesterday, and, and that was a, that's a close baseball game, and, and you're on the wrong side of it, and that's tough. Obviously, you know, Brian talks about the the Braddock situation, and, and 
you know, the offense didn't really show up yesterday except for Tony Taters and, and you lose the game, but it's a close playoff baseball game. And, and that's sometimes how that goes. The most frustrating part about today was um, just most of the game was just not a game. Like you, you were so far out of it that you're just hoping for a miracle and everyone in the stadium is, is getting excited. You know, when Jorge Mateo hits a double and it's like, all right, we're back to the top of the order. And, Hopefully this starts to go downhill. And unfortunately, and this is another one of our guys, you know, you need your stars to be stars. And Adley Rushman, except for the double, and, and that double came when the game was essentially over. He's given them nothing um, for yeah. the first two games. Um, and that's unfortunate. You need him to give you way more than he's given you. And I don't think he, I'm saying anything that he wouldn't say himself. And the Grayson thing was tough. You were hoping that, um, especially with the kind of guy he is and and the relationship we've obviously built with him um, and, and heard him say, and obviously RDT is not on here, but he's closest with him. That you, just, I, 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 he, he was taking the warm-up pitch and I was like, God, I want it for this guy. You just want it for him so bad. You were like, God, throw six strong innings, like walk off the peacock off the mound, like do the whole thing. You want it for him. And he just didn't have it. He unfortunately just didn't have it. And it's a tough spot. You've, you know, especially for a guy that's pitched in high school, like you haven't pitched in anything like that, anything like that, you know, where, you know, even this year, he has not pitched in any game that's remotely close to the atmosphere that that game had. And, you know, guy, you know, when, when, you know, it's, it's, it's batter one and there's two strikes and everyone is standing up and throwing the rally towels up. I mean, no disrespect to our own fan base, but there haven't been any home games like that the entire year. And he hasn't had any games like that in minor leagues. And he hasn't had any games like that in, in high school. So you're totally in a totally new experience in the biggest spot of your career. And he didn't have it. And that sucks. I think the Baker situation is mind boggling. If you're going to go to like, why are you not going to Flaherty or Cole Irvin or literally anybody? But I would have expected Baker when they ended up being down seven or six or what, or five or whatever it was. That's when you bring in Baker. I think that's the one that Brandon Hyde's really going to have to answer questions about. And Brandon Hyde's a guy we've given a ton of credit to the entire year. I think he's built a really good culture there and made really good decisions. But that's a shocking decision to put that guy in the game. He's in. He's on the roster, as, you, as, as Brian said, because Means is off the roster, so you need another pitcher. They could have put somebody – I mean, they could have put a, a position player there, but they go with Baker. Literally anybody else in the staff, and that I, you know, no disrespect to Baker, but he just hasn't done it in a while. It's like, why are you putting him in the game when you theoretically have an offense that at some point is going to put it together, and an offense that, yes, a lot of those hits and runs were scored when you were way out of it, the Hicks throwing homer stuff like that, but did put it together, you know, scored a bunch of runs, you know, at at points during the game, and a Rangers pitching staff that at the back end of the bullpen doesn't have a lot. Like they are built to come back on at the end of the game, put a guy in that can actually get some people out. The walks were demoralizing and demoralized the crowd. There were boo birds within the crowd after all the walks totally took the, the walks really more than the, the deficit. The walks is what took the, the place out of the game. It was de- all tons of first pitch balls. I mean, a, a, an incredible amount of first pitch balls, which just, which just, you know, takes the takes a crowd that knows their baseball. And I, I give the credit to the Orioles fan base for really knowing their baseball today, out of the game. And and I, I mean, I think Brian can can attest to it. Like so many boos after those like first and second pitch balls, where it's like, what are we doing? Like just throw strikes. If they're gonna hit it, you know, if they hit it, they hit it. Like it is what it is. At this point, you've got to try to get some outs with contact, get back to the offense, and try to chip away at this lead. And they just didn't get it done. Um, you know, it's it's similar to Spenny said about Harbaugh. It's like, let's not do the the grand overreaction, whatever. I wouldn't grandly overreact about the overall state of the Orioles. Obviously, the overall state of the Orioles, despite whatever happens in the playoffs, is at an amazing position and better than it's been in who three decades. I, I don't know. We you know, you know, take your pick. But these two games, the last 24 hours, have certainly been um demoralizing. Um, in terms of what the excitement was coming in. And it's it was sad to watch like guys that have been the star, the Adleys, the Grayson, some of those guys, um, unfortunately come up small. And I have to say this before I throw it to the rest of you. The Cedric Mullins thing is tough to watch. It's yeah. really tough to watch. He doesn't look like he really has 
um, much of a clue up there right now. And that happens sometimes. And that's, you know, I'm not a baseball player. I didn't play baseball past five years old, but I've watched, you know, watched a lot of baseball. It's so unfortunate to watch guys that are stars struggle because it's so hard to get out of it. And I I certainly could never go up and do it. So I'm not going to like kill Cedric Mullins. But it just is, it's it made me sad. You, you feel you feel for him. It's sad. You feel it's for him sad. So it's much because he's such a good player and made the all and he's and he's and he's worked to get to this point where he's in the playoffs and he's so exciting and and so good and he just does not look like he has it right now and it's 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 so funny because he batted eighth and Jorge Mateo who hasn't had it for about four months had it tonight and. Looked incredible, and I, I I turned to the you know I was with my brother and and me and me and Brian's guy Kyle I was sitting up in the stands and I said it's amazing that Jorge Mateo is four for four and our star in front of him Cedric Mullins is this was before Adley had his hit our star before him Cedric Mullins is zero for three and Adley rushing after him is zero for three like if you had told me Jorge Mateo is gonna show up and just freaking be banging balls into the gap. I would have said, we're winning this game. I mean, those guys around them are going to be either on or going to send them in. And Adley and Cedric just didn't have it. I it's feel a true, uh, it's a true McConaughey staring at the beer can time. Is yeah, a you get, you I, got Jorge Mateo on fire and Gunnar Henderson can't fucking find the, find anything. I mean, I, I mean, Gunnar talking Henderson. about Gunnar. Gunnar had a great yeah, day. Today. I know he did. He had, he had the hit in the free, he had the hit in early on. I'm just talking about in the middle of the game when fucking he was, but he also, I, mean, was I, I know, I know, I know he ends up running us out of the inning, but he also had the hit to set it up yesterday. I mean, he has the hit to put the tying run on base and he had the home run today. He's definitely not the problem. I mean, I mean, look, I, the Adley and Cedric thing is so tough. I mean, you want it for those guys so bad. And that, and we're in, we're certainly in the state of Orioles baseball where it's like, okay, if it, this goes poorly, say they lose game three, lose game four, they lose whatever it happens. They get bounced. You're going to be sad, but you're like, Oh man, I cannot wait for opening day. I cannot wait. There's going to be that feeling, but I just watched Cedric Mullins today. I was just like, this is just so sad. And next year, if it happens again, I'll be more mad. Today, I was more sad. I was just like, I want you want it for these guys so bad. It's le- I think Banks said it's just like depressing. This is more depressing. It's not getting me enraged. It's just getting me sad because it's just been such a fun ride. And it was so poised to be such an amazing event the last two days at Camden Yards. And it just didn't happen. I mean, it just straight up didn't happen. Yeah. They just didn't kind of deliver, and that is sad. Um, it just and got away they, from them so quick today. Got away from them yeah. so quickly, so quickly. And this Rangers team has just has just outplayed them in in all phases. There's there's no like smoking gun or excuse or or whatever. They've gotten outplayed in 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 every phase. So what can you do? You know, to your point, yeah. To your earlier point, to your earlier point, I was born in 1995. I have never been as close to as optimistic about any core on this club that I have ever seen, and like I, I I will still feel that way no matter what happens going forward. But yeah, that's really like what it comes down to is like it all just happens so quickly, and then you know this is kind of the come down, right? This is the last 20 minutes of uh of the movie where it all comes crashing down in your face, and uh, it's brutal. Spenny, uh, I'm sure you got some takes here. I just feel like an idiot because, and Taylor, you make the point of like, you know, Grayson's never pitched in this and you know, you know, it's going to be a tough series. And when I was talking to my friends, I was like, I would rather see the Rays and the Rangers. And I, I was talking to the guys who sat next to me. I had a great time at the game. I thought the crowd was awesome. It was a really fun environment. The crowd stuck in it for so long, even after the grand slam, even after you know, bad it got and shout out to guys like Aaron Hicks and Jorge Mateo. Uh, Gunner just putting applying pressure consistently to get back at Austin Hayes, who's played really well in the series, um, just continuing to apply that pressure. And then you're like, man, I was looking at like Heim and Josh Young, and it's like, oh, yeah, they kind of have their own little Adley and Gunner, but they also have Corey Seeger and Marcus Simeon and Adolis Garcia. And I was explaining to the guy next to me, I was like, oh, yeah, you know, they actually have like kind of their own little Adley and Gunner, but it was like, man, but they also have a billion dollars of guys that have been there and done that. And the Orioles just haven't been there and done that. So including Bruce um, Bochy. Exactly. 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 Yeah. So. yeah. I mean, they have young, they certainly have young players that have shown, I mean, Josh Young's a young player, you know, it's a 25 year old guy. Carter is obviously really, really young. You're right though. I think the like spending, make a good point. It's like, all right, now you've had, depending on how this goes, look, this could turn around and we could be here next week. Sure. And it's like they're on the LCS and they figure it out and whatever. 
Now it's like you found the holes where you need to go now spend the money. And it, we will get to this as a bigger conversation if they get eliminated soon. Well, I hope you guys were doing your part in buying plenty of beer and snacks. So that well, gonna be that, I mean, that's that. the thing because yeah. you have the team now. The question is, will they go get, you know, you talk about Corey Seager. It's like they have Corey Seager in the middle of their lineup. That is a World Series MVP sitting there among their other young players. And, Marcus, and like they have those guys. Will the Orioles now go do that if they, you know, go get guys like that? There are spots on the field for them to play should they go spend money or spots on the in the rotation or in the bullpen for them to pitch. Um, those are the guys they need to go get. And you feel bad for like the younger players. I, Grayson's a great example. It's like you hope that they immediately, you know, take to playoff baseball and he has a great start. It's like, you know, sometimes it doesn't work that way. You get the experience, you get the scar tissue, and then you figure it out. I honestly thought, like, we go back to game one because we didn't, you know, most of us, we didn't come on and talk about it. Like, Kyle Bradish was great. I mean, you couldn't have asked for much more. He gave them a chance to win. He looked totally comfortable in the environment. He was he was fantastic. And the offense didn't really show up, Um, you know. And I think there will be big questions post-series in terms of performance for someone like Adley. I mean, this is... This is the series where you expect someone like that to really do their thing, and he just has not done it. So, I, 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 and and just for sorry, Brian, just one more quick point: they need to go spend money on the bullpen. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, they kind of we talked about it all year, and they kind of piece it together. You got to either make it, you got to put guys there that can get it, they can really get it done. I mean, the guys they put in today, Brian Baker, who hasn't, as you said, hasn't essentially pitched this game to lie. Jacob Webb, who's a great acquisition, was a waiver claim like in the middle of the year. I mean, okay. You put in Flaherty, who's a failed trade deadline starting guy who you now is a long reliever. You know, they end up bringing in Perez and Cano, but like the guys you're getting through the game with there, and I know it's a it's a blot, so you're bringing guys to kind of get you innings and, and you hope that they can get outs and then you can come back and you save your, your guys. But like you need a little bit more there. I mean, it's clearly a, a little bit of a shaky unit. Yeah, I think with regards to Adley, the conversation may start to become, was it worth running up all those miles on him in April and May the way that they did? Um, it's, it's, it could be true that he's just out of gas. And I think that that, to, to Spencer's point about the having been there, done that, yes, it's the experience is a piece of that. But they also have a group of guys who – for the Orioles, and, and this comes down to, to pitching more more so than probably the, the rest of the lineup, but um, these guys haven't played 162 and then extra games past that. You know, we're younger, like, you know, Adley Rutschman plays, what, 50, 60 games in college a season, and then he's played his, his handful of years in the minors, but he's not pushing past 162. Um, so... It, it always kind of sucks to see and, and you hate to say it, but it's, it, it may be true that this team is just out of gas because they just haven't had to run this marathon before. There's I also, he and there's... Uh, I think he and a lot of those young guys might've been a little more nervous than they were anticipating to like, it's very different. Like I know he walked out and like he had the, uh, he had his outfit on with the headband and the the cutoff shirt, and he's talking about the cold brew that he just crushed and everything. But you walk out there, and it says ALDS on all the walls and everything, and the crowd is massive. They have not played in an environment like that here once, to your point, Taylor, not to disrespect our crowd, but they haven't really been there. And it made me think about something that, like, Ludwig Aberg before the Ryder Cup was talking about, like, hey, like, I really just – I never really get nervous, right? Like, that's just not something that happens to me. And then he went out and played in that environment, and he didn't play very well to start it off. So I don't want to like crowbar that reference in too much. I know it's very different, obviously, but it does strike me as like, when you have a young core, it's very easy to just say, Oh, well, these guys don't even know what it means to like fail in the postseason. They don't even have that scar tissue yet. Well, if things start to get away from you, like very quickly, it can start to steamroll. And I think we might've seen a little bit of that happening here. Yeah. I, no, I don't, I don't even think it's like a necessarily a bad reference. Like look, sometimes the idea of being, being inexperienced because you don't theoretically know you know, maybe there's some intrinsic quality to that, that, you know, because you don't have the idea, the, the failure has not happened yet. You can just, you just assume you're going to have success, but the failure can come. Like if you don't have immediate success, the failure can happen just within the game. Like yeah. yesterday you go one through nine to start the game and no one really does anything. Like the doubts can start to creep in early. 
Um, so that kind of that theoretically like young and dumb, we're kind of just out here kind of doing it goes away very, very quickly because you're already accumulating that when you're like, oh man, maybe we can't get it done in this stage. And I'm There's not a, reason that, a lot of teams don't have the, you know, don't just do it the first time they ever have a yeah, chance. Exactly. And sometimes you just get, for a reason. Yeah. And sometimes you just get beat. Like, you know, we can like analyze these guys mentally and all these different things. Sometimes like the Rangers just been better. Like they've just been better. And the Orioles did some okay things today offensively. And they did some okay things on the mound yesterday. And they just didn't play well enough. Um, and there'll be some, there'll be some, anal, you know, some analyzing on whether Brandon Hyde has micromanaged or done whatever he's done. He's also in this spot for the first time. So he's also going through this and trying to figure it out. And, you know, that can sometimes go poorly. Um, I think the worst part is to me, the worst part is this is, and this is selfish as a fan. Um, is you just wanted moments this weekend. It, it, it just would have been nice to have moments. And besides the Santander homer and the Hicks uh, single in the first today, they really didn't just – they didn't happen. Um, and that's just sad as a fan because you're so excited for them to be back in the playoffs. You just want the moments to happen that you're going to go back on YouTube and watch like 65,000 times and that people are going to tweet on the anniversary and you're going to watch over and over and over. And those didn't really happen. You know, those, those, those no one's going to watch any of the plays from this game ever again. If you're an Orioles fan, really, from these two games, um, and that's just that's just disappointing, and it hurts. I think it, it guts fans for sure. Um, but I I, I want to say this, and then we can get into anything else. It was amazing to be back in that stadium for playoff baseball today. I walked in and had goosebumps just walking in, and that's an amazing experience. And I hope that the people in charge that spend the money realize how much that meant to all the people that were in the stadium the last two days that were around the stadium. You just, the smiles on people's faces and the, the, you know, the fathers and sons and the the daughters and mothers and the families that were there. Like, I don't mean to get like super, super um, cheesy, but it was really cool to see. And it just hasn't happened a lot in the city that, that, that this team has made the playoffs it's been so much more common with the Ravens. We, we talk about, we talk about John Harbaugh and like the idea of getting rid of them. They're freaking constantly in these positions um, year to year to year. And it's like so crazy to be like, get rid of this guy, you know, because they're so clearly there and the Orioles just don't do that. Uh, I, it was such a pleasure like to be there today and just, you know, get the, you know, the Hicks single. I was like, Oh my God, this is just, this is awesome. Like, this is so cool. Um, and I hope that that happens for years to come with this, this core of guys. Um, but I just wanted to get that out there as, as, you know, someone that was at the game today, like that was a, that was a really cool environment and I wish it had been way more fun during it, but, um, they just didn't, they didn't totally get there. So, um, right. And that's people to, sorry, to set up real quick and and you guys can say, but like, do people feel worse about Brandon Hyde right now? Or do we feel like, do we feel like it's just some inexperience or it just hasn't gone his way? So, all right, so I have my prevailing thought on him, and this was me thinking about it after game one, was like, hmm, I don't like the Braddish decision. That's one that I just look back at and I just disagree with, but he has by far earned the benefit of the doubt with the way he's managed this team and gotten them where they are to this point. And so, yeah, okay. Hindsight's 20-20. We can move on past that one. After game two, I'm I'm really feeling uncomfortable about about some of the decisions there. And again, of course, it's always hindsight's 2020. But I mean, the Baker thing was like, wait, why is this guy warming up? Wait, he's going to go into the game in this spot. It just when you can kind of see something from from that far away, just like a freight train coming down the tracks, like oh, this is not going to go well. It's it says a lot, and so. There's always going to be the haters and the people that, you know, have been on his case all season. And there are, those people are always going to exist. Those people are feeling very validated right now. And if you stick sucks. to a take long enough, you're going to be that right. That sucks. So I don't know. It's, it, it's, it's so tough. Cause it's, it's both sides. It's like, you just can't, you, again, you just can't walk 11 batters. You just can't do it. Um, and he's not out there walking those batters, but at the, like it's what Spencer said about Harbaugh. It comes down to him at 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 the end of the day, and um, 
I don't know what buttons he needs to push to unwalk those batters, and there isn't there isn't such a button. But damn, it looks it looks really terrible when it plays out the way that it did. I think we'd be remiss not to mention Aaron Hicks. You know, five RBI day, and what they've been able to do, and, and I think that the. the We'll get way deeper into it. We're going to have, you know, all year, whether the Orioles continue or, or fail to after Tuesday night and so on. But the Orioles' development and ability to maximize what they've made, I feel like has so much to do with Brandon Hyde, who has managed throughout the minors and those things. It's just so tough that he's done so much, is so clearly beloved by the locker room, the culture that they've created there, and is clearly such a linchpin in Elias and Sig's process of development and getting it done and helping guys understand it. But then those things, the Brian Baker freight train, as you mentioned, Brian, it's like, it, I feel like it's freaking Zach Britton part two, like the opposite. It's like, why is it Zach Britton getting put in the game? It's like, why is Brian Baker going into this game? You're losing at home in a five game series already lost a game you have to empty. You got to empty it out. I mean, just I would rather see like, oh, why is Kyle Gibson pitching? I would rather have that debate. Oh, why is Dean Kramer pitching? Oh, why is Smoke Jack Larry pitching? Empty it out, man. Empty the clip. Yeah. Empty the clip in this game. You can't go to Texas down 0-2. You can't. You have. You can't look back and say, why didn't I empty the clip? Why didn't I spend my guys? It's like the same thing. Why didn't you go to Flaherty instead? Why didn't you go elsewhere? You let the game get out of control. And I, it's like, it wasn't like he put Baker in on a righty-lefty matchup thing. It was a clean clean slate. It was a top of an inning. Like, why is Brian Baker the guy? It, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Aaron Hicks was awesome. Austin Hayes has been awesome. Um, you know, Gunner brought some energy. Jorge Mateo, good for that dude, man. And And Taylor, I thought, brought up such a beautifully sad point that it's, you know, tough. You watch Mullins unable to produce right now, but you also watch Mateo able to fucking become, have a star like day today and really kept the Orioles alive in this game. Just yep. kept hammering away, kept hammering away, applying pressure. And just the guy giving them, third base giving them guys on base with the top of the lineup coming up. It's like, okay, maybe this is the time. That's what he did every single time. And it was like, brought the crowd to life. Cause everyone knows it's like, all right, now it's Adley. Now it's Mount Castle. Now it's Santander. Like maybe they, Maybe now we go. And they just never went. <laughs> they just never hit go, unfortunately. Yeah. It's game. So game one. All right. You could definitely make a case that um, that Hyde is, is micromanaging, you know, making the, the pitching change too early there. And that just sets a chain of reaction where you're just putting all these pitchers in and the, the bullpen's taxed at this point. Um, but the one thing we haven't touched on yet is the is the botched hit and run in game one. Um, you know, Gunner hits that single and gets everybody fired up and it feels like something's happening there. You know, it feels like we got something cooking. And then of course, um, you know, this was kind of something that developed pregame today. So people may have missed it because the Raven Steelers game was going on and people were boozing and doing their thing pregame. But, um, the Gunner getting thrown out there was a missed sign by Hicks. It was a hit run. And, um, I don't know that the situation calls for one, like, hit and run is kind of a cute play there it's like just something that you know obviously if it it works out it looks great but um i don't know is is hicks is a big swing and miss guy i just don't know that he's the guy you want running running a hit and run i haven't plus the the advantage there is most likely that you get gunner to third instead of second and i mean maybe hicks ends up putting one in the corner and gunner goes from first to home but probably most of the time it works well Gunner is going to to third instead of second. He's going to be in scoring position either way. A single is probably going to get him home in most instances. I mean, could prevent a double play, sure, too. But, you know, the, the upside wasn't really there for me in that. Yeah, it's it's weird because it's, it's, it's almost a parallel to Linderbaum and the snap. And it's like, wait, what the fuck just happened? Oh, it's just a managerial decision. Didn't – yeah, exactly. Like, that should be the same response. Like, <laughs> it's like, oh – we called one thing and our players just kind of missed the memo. Um, yeah. So let's, uh, let's get in control of those memos uh, for sure. But okay. That's a, that's a, a nice tight half hour on each of these uh, individual debacles uh, continuing over from the debacle that we saw on Saturday. And then Taylor, 
uh, debacle of your own that Brian, I know you were heavily invested in uh, with our friend Urban Meyer on the sideline there on <laughs> Saturday. So lot to, lot to unpack from this past weekend. Uh, you know, in my lifetime, certainly the worst sports weekend in uh, the history of this city. But you know what? That's what happens when you make it to the ALDS. Sometimes you're going to disappoint. Sometimes you're going to crap down your leg, but it was a fun season up to this point. It's still not over, funny enough. Ravens are three and two. They're tied atop the AFC North. So a long way to go, but it is very painful in the moment. And if you're feeling the feelings, then go ahead and feel them. Guys, anything else before I get us out of here? No, I think you I think you said it right. I think it's like I, I sort of talked about it like it was, you know, thinking sitting there on Thursday or Friday, and I'm like, man, what a weekend this is setting up to be. You have two Orioles home games. You have Ravens Steelers for me and the people that care. You have a Maryland game at Ohio football game at Ohio State that was like, you know, the hopeful, hopefully the Terps can get over the top and beat one of these teams. And pretty much all of those things went about as poorly as you could have imagined, which is tough. And that's kind of how it is being a sports fan. Um, but it's just nice. This is such a this is such a bring it back around. It's nice to be in the mix. It's just it was, it, you know, to be in the mix on all of these things is a good place to be ultimately. And that's like the positive way you go about it is we're back on Tuesday. And if you win game three, I'm sure we'll come on after that and be like, all right, here's how we line it up to win the series. Right. Just here's put us to sleep. Just put us to sleep. Don't let if, us win one. If the Ravens win next week and go to four and two, you're like, all right, time for the Super Bowl. I mean, these are kind of like the emotional things you go through. And, and, and this was a tough one. Like I was sitting there watching you guys talk for the first five minutes and you guys looked all looked miserable. And I was like, this is so miserable. This really is so miserable. Um, but hopefully it becomes unmiserable at some point. I it would be nice if the Orioles could win one of these games. Getting swept would suck. It would just, don't, just, just don't let them win one. Just put them yeah. to sleep. Don't let yeah. them win one. So, don't let them do it. Um so you know, we continue to go here. We continue to go. Adley will lead off the lead off Tuesday with a homer and we'll be, we'll be off and running. That's battle. That's what will happen. Wouldn't um, it be nice, but it's certainly it's, would. It's, I, I like the positive on it. to talk about it. It is. And that's why we love doing this podcast. We love you guys for listening. Please like subscribe, follow, send us the five-star review. It's nice to have superstars in Baltimore. We're mid market. I, I always like to say Baltimore is more of a really big town than a city. And you've got Lamar Jackson. You've got, Adley Rushman, you've got Gunnar Henderson, and, and hey, you know, unfortunately they're not winning the Super Bowl and, and winning the World Series right this second and every year and things like that. But it's nice to have some stars. It's nice to feel the camaraderie in Baltimore between these two teams right now, despite a tough weekend. It was really exciting. The anticipation was a lot of fun. It's been really fun joining you guys, doing Exit 52, and, and being able to go through this together in the, the first year Jake and I are part of this. So we've, we've had a blast here. And we love you guys. We love all the listeners. It sucks, but this hopefully was a little bit of a therapy session. And Taylor, you said it perfectly. Hey, it could be four and two. It could be uh, one and two after, you know, Tuesday. So keep on keep on hitting that sled. Keep on chopping away and chopping wood. And that's the experience as a, a fan, a fanatic. So we'll keep on bringing you guys content. Black? That's all I got. I mean, I'm, I'm depressed and I need to pick up the pieces a little bit here. We'll go get them Tuesday. Okay. Am I going to be waking up to a certain uh, gif of a night? I was going to say the same thing. That's a goddamn guarantee. Okay. Well, be be sure to tune in to at Barstool Banks if you want to see the gif of Dexter in the shower in the morning. Follow at Taylor Smythe 10. Uh, and also follow uh, which which Maryland socials are, are you running? I, I want to give those some pop. Oh, my gosh. Um, well, I if you are a Maryland fan, you can listen to Hear the Turtle, which is a podcast we do week to week about – with the various Maryland personalities on. You can follow Hear the Turtle on all your podcast platforms. Uh, follow all the Maryland social media, but uh, Terps football, Terrapin Hoops, and Maryland M Soccer is the ones that I specifically have the most control over. But, yeah, Hear the Turtle, which will be a sad episode because if you're aware of the two hosts, if you're aware of my co-host and his uh, his <laughs> softball team uh, took a big L, I know that means nothing to Spenny and Jake. Banks has a little more info on that, but uh, that will be a brutal discussion that we have this weekend. Well, so. there was a certain – you guys were uh, uh, rubbing shoulders with a certain baseball coach today, weren't you, at Pickles? We were. No, the Maryland head baseball coach, uh, Mr. Matt Swope, was made his way into Pickles today. Um, great to always see him. He's a gigantic Orioles fan and um, is a friend of, of myself, Banks and RDT. So uh, he was in the building and, um, you know, 
unfortunately the Orioles couldn't get it done for, for any of the, uh, the four of us, but um, great to have him involved. I, I think like um, Maryland, we love riding the way. It's so weird. Cause Maryland's like down by DC, but so much of the Maryland support comes from like the Baltimore area. So it's like fun to like ride the wave on our socials with the two Baltimore teams. Um, and uh, it did not unfortunately go well this weekend. I was like dreaming of a day where the Terps beat Ohio state and, the Orioles beat the Rangers and either of those things happen. So, um, but thank you, Jake, for allowing me to, yeah, follow all the push, following all the Terps accounts. Yeah. Taylor, like, Taylor's a little more, bit. he's a little more sanitized on his personal account. He's got a lot going on in the social media world. So follow his, uh, follow his Terps accounts. Uh, you can follow Spencer at Ravens for dummies. That is the number four in the middle there. And you can find me at Jake Luke. That is L O U Q U E hashtag new profile pick, by the way, check it out. Uh, it's a fun one. Thank you guys for tuning in uh, to a recap of just the, the absolute fucking worst weekend we've had uh, in sports in a very long time. And hopefully we'll have for a very long time. According to Keith Mills, to- he said that uh, Keith Mills said the Orioles lost in the ALCS to the Yankees in 1996 and the Ravens lost to the Colts for the first time playing them since they left in the middle of the night. So we were, I was thinking it can always be worse. Okay. Well, we'll talk to you guys probably again on Tuesday night. And uh, until then, we'll see you. See you.